And isn't this a wonderful time of year? This is about my favorite time. How about you? As, uh, <clears throat> it starts to warm up and there's signs of new life. I got excited about the, the warm weather this last week and rushed out in the yard and started doing some work, even pruned some roses. And then this morning I went out and everything was frozen. So uh, we have to be patient with the warm weather, but grateful for this time. And it all leads to Easter, which is my favorite time of the whole year. So I guess I have to put it this way. Are you grateful that Jesus rose from the dead? That's what it's really about. <laughs> and uh, because he did, because he did, there's hope. You know, uh, we have these moments in life. In fact, we're going to talk about this this morning from the scripture where we're just overwhelmed. We're just awestruck with God's greatness. And I'll never forget uh, the moment that uh, Ginger and I had first visited the Holy Land and it was raining that day and we'd had a communion service in the garden and then we made our way to the tomb. So many people everywhere. And then there, Gordon's tomb, the <clears throat> traditional site of uh, the burial of our Lord. And we just walked inside and here's this big empty tomb and there's a sepulcher there and then there's a sign that says, He is not here, He is risen. And that I was awestruck by that. I just stood there in the in the mouth of that empty tomb. He's not here. He's risen. And I think every Easter we need to have that experience. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We want to talk about that experience, that moment when we realize who God really is and what he's done and how that truly transforms us as we read about a woman who had an experience like that with Jesus, where she realized who he really was, when the other people in the room were not so quick to see his true identity. How many of you know that you've got eyes in your heart and those eyes need to be open to see Jesus? And everyone around you may miss the Lord and what He's doing, but if the eyes of your heart are open, you can see the Lord. And you can see Him at times when no one else does. You can see Him in moments when you realize that this is a special moment that I'm having with the Lord. And that's the kind of moment that this woman had with Jesus that we all need to learn from. How many of you want to continue to have those special moments with the Lord. Aren't they precious? I mean, it's only a, a religion if we don't have that relationship, that intimacy with God. And how many of you also know that your best, most intimate moments with the Lord are yet to come? We think back at our experience with salvation or you know, experiences with the Holy Spirit. How wonderful. Guess what? God wants our greatest times of intimacy. He still has those before us. Here in this life, as long as we're here in this world, and then, of course, when we go home to be with Him. But Matthew 26, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to Him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Verse 8. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. 
Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? Notice these words. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The disciples, though they were his followers, in that moment just didn't quite get it. They didn't quite get what this woman saw and knew and experienced and responded to. And what a wonderful picture this is of the way our hearts need to be ready to respond to Jesus at all times, in all circumstances. No one in that room realized, as she did, that somehow this was a special moment and one of the last moments that they would have with Christ. And as this happened, it was a prophetic event. She was really anointing his body for burial. Though the others didn't get it, aren't you glad that she didn't wait at the door and ask the disciples to take a vote on whether or not she could come in and anoint him? No. What did she do? She came into the room, made her way directly to him, and she broke this special bottle, this jar, this alabaster jar, and she poured the sweet-smelling perfume upon him. In a wonderful, selfless, extraordinary, exuberant act of worship. And uh, Jesus received her worship. And he rebuked the disciples for their indifference. For their hypocrisy. Because they just didn't get it. What a wonderful picture here we see that there are some very important lessons in what happened. We're going to focus on one of them this morning. I think the most obvious lesson, which is our primary focus this morning, is the lesson regarding worship. How Jesus is worthy of our worship. And He wants our heart to be right and our minds and our behavior to be right to worship Him to the fullest. How many of you know that we can go through the motions of worship and not have any intimacy with God at all? Nobody knows it. We don't even think about it. We can pass from worship service to worship service. Even our devotional time can be so dry and so lacking of any real genuine intimacy with God. And so here we have this woman to teach us what it means to really worship God. The second lesson that just jumps out is the hypocrisy of those who thought they knew Jesus and knew His ways, but totally missed it. They end up bothering the only woman who really got it. 
Doesn't that just sound like, can I just say it, just like church people sometimes? We're all here to worship the Lord, and we maybe end up bothering the people that really are worshiping God rather than worshiping Him ourselves. Can I just say it this way? Sometimes we're so busy worrying about what the person on our left is doing or the person on the right or the person that we really uh, have questions or what. Listen, every time we worship, it's a profound, intimate time for each of us. And if we're distracted in thinking about others, distracted by their behavior, even critical, we may miss a, a wonderful opportunity to worship the Lord. And Jesus pointed to their hypocrisy when they said, oh, well, you know, we really could sell this and give the money to the poor. And uh, we read in the other accounts, uh, John says that it, it was Lazarus who was, keep, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> Judas who was keeping the purse. And Judas is the one who initiated that criticism because he wanted that money to go into the purse he was keeping. And some of it probably would go to the poor. But you see the utter hypocrisy of that. And Jesus uh, quotes this uh, verse in Deuteronomy 15 about the poor always being with you. And as you read along that verse, it says, so continue to make provision for the poor. It wasn't so neglect them, choose to worship me and neglect the poor. No, that's not what, that's not what he was saying. He was saying the poor you'll always have. You need to always keep making provision for the poor, but realize you won't always have me. And so wake up to the moment. And Jesus is saying, realize that the time that I have with you is short. This, this, this happens right before we move into the final week of our Lord's life as we see the Last Supper and then His crucifixion and His resurrection. And He knew that was coming. Don't you know that His heart just grieved for the disciples that just didn't get it? How do you explain? How do you prepare them? Well, <clears throat> this woman understood. Third thing that we see this, the lesson, is the, the values of the kingdom. We understand that this uh, alabaster jar, which is uh, a semi-precious uh, stone, a type of marble, was uh, used for very special uh, ointments. And we realize that the price of, of the, the, the jar and the ointment is estimated probably a year's wages. Can you imagine that? What, what would a, the average wage in our city be? Maybe $35,000 in that range? So think about a bottle of perfume worth $30,000 that suddenly you would use that to pour out upon the Savior. Now we're getting a little better perspective, right? How many of you have bought perfume lately? You probably didn't spend $30,000. Uh, I took Ginger out uh, for dinner for her birthday and uh, wanted to get her some perfume this year. And we went to a store, and uh, I thought I was going to pay $30,000 before we finished because every movie star and celebrity you can think of has their own designer perfume. And the, the price is based on the popularity of the celebrity that's selling it. 
And of course, Ginger wouldn't let me buy the most expensive. But she found something that she thought was just right for her. And I bought it and it was a, a pleasure and a joy to do that for her. But there's something about perfume as a gift that the costly nature of that is part of the gift, isn't it? And so it was in that day, how we can relate to that. So it was something precious, something costly, something way beyond her means. And here's the whole value system of, you know, the materialism of our day and, you know, how we value Jesus and his kingdom compared to the things of this world, material possessions. And so the lesson on values. There's also a lesson here on the brokenness that we as Christians understand. There's something about the breaking of that jar and the release of the ointment that resonates with us as Christians. How many of you know that there's a breaking process in our lives over and over and over again? You know, it was uh, Watchman Nee who used to teach about brokenness as the first step to true discipleship where God really breaks those things that make us feel secure in ourselves to open us up that we may ultimately give ourselves to God. You think about, for each of us, ultimately, the the ultimate brokenness will be our death, which releases our spirit to be with God for all eternity. You ever think about it that way? That in order for your spirit to be released, your body needs to be broken and set aside. And so it is with each person who dies. But brokenness is an amazing part of our growth as disciples. And we, we had an experience in our family with brokenness that I always think about and reminds me of how God deals with our lives. Um, our son Daniel was uh, seven years old, was at school. We got the call that uh, he had fallen off the monkey bars and possibly broke his arm. And he'd never been injured seriously before. So I rushed to the school. Ginger's rushing to the school. And there he is with a uh, piece of cardboard uh, wrapped with a rubber band, a splint, and uh, a wrist that was obviously broken. And so I got him in the car and I rushed him to the first hospital. And they said, that's kind of a complicated fracture. You need to go to a sports specialist. And so he's in pain. We're going from hospital to hospital. The traffic's bad. Finally, we get to the right doctor. Ginger arrives there too. The doctor looks at his arm and he sees it, that one of the bones in his wrist is broken and the other one is okay. So I'm thinking, well, we're half good, right? Well, it didn't take the doctor long to look at us and say, well, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to break the other bone to set his arm to grow properly. And so we almost fainted right there in the office. And uh, he asked us if we needed to sit down when the color drained from our faces. And uh, then he asked us to leave the room because he knew we weren't going to be a help. And he looked at Daniel in the eye and he said, now, young man, he said, I'm, I'm going to need to take your, your arm in my hands and break the other bone and then set it. And he said, I'm going to give you a shot so you won't feel much, but I want you to know what you're, what's going to happen. And uh, Daniel just stuck his arm up like a soldier. And, and mom and dad were a basket case. 
And so we walked out of the room and the doctor took his arm and snapped it and reset it. And he comes out with his cast on, waving it, and he's the big hero of the day, you know. And you know, the doctor said to me, he said, you know, I always tell my patients the truth. Because if I tell them the truth, they trust me. And I can do what needs to be done. And I've often thought about that in terms of how there are things in our lives that are seem to be half okay and God has a way of breaking the whole thing to give us something totally new. New health and new life. How many of you have been broken a few times? Listen, the thing that we resist that we don't want to happen ultimately is the thing that makes the way for our wholeness and our healing. Hey, listen, nobody gets saved without a broken will. Do you realize that? No one gets saved without broken pride. Have you realized that? No one gets saved without broken plans. You know, sometimes we pray this way. Oh, God, just take what I have here and build on it. Just uh, help me to be successful in all that I want. No, God says, I have a whole nother plan for you. And it requires that we break your plan in order to put my plan in place. I've had lots and lots of plans broken by God. How about you? And guess what? I look back and I don't want one of them back. I am so, so grateful that God won't let me have my way (laughs) at times when I know that I'm right. And so the brokenness, what a a lesson that is for us in this passage. Now, as we focus on Worship, and that's truly what I want us to focus on. I want us to see that in this event, we really see worship revealed in terms of what God wants us to experience in worship with Him. And I hope you're at the point in your Christian life where you know that worship is a lot more than being entertained by the music that you enjoy, even the gospel music that you enjoy. Forgive me, but sometimes I see things happening, you know, in the church and, you know, in gatherings that are called worship, which really seem to fall short in that their appreciation of certain artists and certain types of music. But they really lack that that genuine intimacy with God, which is what true worship is about. How many of you want more than music when you worship God? Even your favorite music. How many of you know that something transformational needs to happen in your heart with God for it to be true worship? It's not not about being entertained. It's about really, well, let's use the language of, of this passage. It's about being willing to be broken in order for the the life, the life of God to fill us. As we're poured out, we're filled by His presence. Well, four things about worship I want you to see. First thing is, in order to worship God with the intimacy He deserves, our worship needs to be, and I I chose this word carefully, it needs to be urgent. (laughs) As she pressed in, and here, Simon, the leper's home. Lazarus is there. 
The disciples are there. She pressed in and passed passed them by to focus on him with a kind of urgency which was unsettling to the other people in the room. And when we approach God, it's not about what is socially acceptable in the moment. There's this urgency to, to have relationship, to engage, to experience God where we've got to press through and touch him as he's willing to touch us. And sometimes, can I just say it, sometimes our worship experience, sometimes our shared worship experience lacks that sense of urgency, which God really wants. Second, what happened here was extraordinary. It was a break in the routine of activity, the social customs, what was expected. Something extraordinary happened here. And let me say that as we encounter God, it's every time we encounter God, there's something extraordinary about that experience. It's an event unlike any other in all of history or any of that will ever happen in the future to realize this is my moment and it is extraordinary. The circumstances of my life will never be like this again. The condition of my heart, my life, all... In this moment, I can have an extraordinary, an extraordinary encounter with God. And I must realize the potential of that. Third thing we see that it was exuberant in that here this woman who, you know, based on what we know about her and the history was not really the most highly respected and favored person in this assembly of disciples. And here she is doing something which was extreme, but it was this exuberant expression of her love and devotion for Jesus Christ that just, just came out. It just like gushed forth. It just poured out on him. It wasn't just the perfume that poured out. She poured herself out upon him in this exuberant expression of love. And there's something about, can I just say this, about worshiping God that leads to an exuberance which is real and genuine and even, I'm, I'm, even embarrassing. Not for us and for others. And guess what? That's part of the brokenness. Listen, I'm not a very emotional person. You know that. But there are times when I worship God, when, I mean, when the tears come and, you know, I, I can't breathe the way I, I normally, and that express, and it, it's happening and it's a little embarrassing. Sometimes it happens when I'm in the pulpit. It's embarrassing to lose control. And, and, and listen, by the way, be careful of any Christian, any, especially any leader that tries to whip up emotion in substitution for the real exuberance of a response to God, which is genuine and real. How many of you know the difference between true spiritual exuberance and the kind of emotion that we can whip up, that you can whip up with any crowd? I mean, go to your favorite sports activity and you'll see 
lots of emotion. We're not talking about that kind of emotion. But the exuberance of pouring out our hearts, our pouring out our hearts to God. What a wonderful. And then the last thing I want us to see is what she did was extravagant. <laughs> she spent more than she would be expected to spend. She gave more than what would be expected. And you realize that there's something about the extravagance of that which challenges us to realize that we've got to, to go farther than what we're comfortable with. How many of you had this experience where you've prepared your offering to give to the Lord and then before you actually give it, the Lord shows you that you need to give more? That's where the extravagance comes in. And there are times when we just need to give <laughs> so much, so beyond what our common sense tells. And I'm not just talking about our offering. I'm talking about our service, our love, our, whatever it is where God says, be extravagant in the way you worship me with this act. And, uh, you know, there's something about when we hold back and stay in our comfort zone, we never really experience what we experience when we, we break through with that extravagant gift. And it comes in unexpected times. Um, I'll never forget, uh, early in our, our ministry, we were in California serving in a little church. And there was just a small group of people there that night. And the, 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 the pastor wasn't there. He asked the youth minister to fill in. So I pre And here, there's farm people in that area, people that uh, don't have much. To, and here, this man and his wife came up and they wanted to bring which what an extravagant gift donation to the and I'm looking at that and I'm embarrassed about that and I don't I'm thinking this man needs the money more than the church does and here in my immaturity I'm saying I'm I'm, I'm kind of talking him out of the offering cuz I think he needs it more than the church he pulls back and he rebukes the young pastor and he says He said, don't deprive me of the blessing that God will give me through my obedience. I was corrected. I was corrected. And I've often thought about that man and his humility and his devotion. And I thought about how many times have I prepared my gift? Not just money, but my time, my life, my whatever. And given it to the Lord with that kind of sincerity. It was an extravagant gift that that man couldn't afford. And guess what? God wants extravagant gifts from us every day where we go beyond the boundary of self and will and we give Him our best. We wonder why we get stuck in our Christian life, stagnant. It's because we want to live our Christian life in the comfort zone and we're not willing to go beyond 
with an extra extravagant gift. Well, there's much more that I could say. Let me just uh, let me just summarize. Um, well, <clears throat> as we look at the alabaster jar and the gift that this woman gave to Jesus, we think, well, what's what's our jar? What's our gift? We know what the we we really know the application here, don't your life is your gift. And it's got to be offered and it's got to be broken. It's got to be poured out. It's got to be released. What is your gift? Or what is your what is the box? It's whatever gift you have to give in that moment. It can be your money or your time or something that you treasure to give to the Lord because the Lord has shown you to give it to Him. You know, there's so, I just thought about this this year for the first time, but you think about the, the perfume, how poignant and lovely the aroma of that perfume was. And here she anoints the Lord with this, and soon he's standing before Pilate. Do you suppose that Pilate could smell that lovely aroma of the perfume of his anointing? Here, the soldiers hammering him to the cross. Do you suppose that they could smell the wonderful aroma of his anointing? The thieves upon the cross. There's something special about this criminal and his anointing as the sweat and the blood and his spirit was really that anointing. And those who took his body to place in the tomb, the smell of that fragrant perfume upon his body. God had a special purpose in having this woman, this insignificant woman, pour out what she had for him that day. What does God want you to offer him? Can you this Easter season just stop and say, God, help me this year not just to go through all the Easter schedule and all the activities. Same old, same old. Lord, help me to do something which is urgent, which is extraordinary, which is exuberant, which is extravagant for you. That'll make a difference in, in your Easter this year. Don't you agree? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful scripture which speaks to us regarding the kind of love and devotion that you are worthy of. Help us, O oh God. Help us to break through in very practical ways as we respond in obedience to what you show us to do. Lord, help us to bring our jar, O oh God. Help us to bring our gift and help us to... Lord, to, to be poured out in worship and devotion to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. I want to, the worship team to lead us in a song. We'll have a closing prayer. We'll have opportunity at the altar for ministry, for prayer. We'll pray for you if you have a need. Let's sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
How appropriate after this message. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In, in our response to the word this morning, I want us to do the obvious. I want us to think about what it is we might be holding back from God at this time and season in our lives. That's a scary thought, isn't it? What if God asks you for something that you're not yet willing to offer? What if he does? Well, just avoid the whole issue. No, face it. Lord, examine my heart. Show me what I'm holding back. And Lord, Give me the the grace, O God, to make an offering, a gift to you, a gift of my life, a gift of my devotion, whatever it is. Lord, help us this morning, O God, to respond by saying, yes, Lord, I'll give you. I'll give you what you want me to give. And Lord, we pray that you'd show each one of us what that special gift is at this time and season in our lives. It may be something we've never given before. Lord, it may be something you've been speaking to us about a long time and we've just been unwilling. Whatever it is, oh God, help us by your grace to offer. Offer ourselves to you in a new, a new and a meaningful way, oh Lord. Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning who's not sure of their relationship with you. And we pray, O oh God, that you just draw them into your kingdom, O oh God. Lord, we would, Lord, help us to respond to anyone this morning who needs to be saved, O oh God. And Lord, we know that you will give them the assurance of their salvation as they turn to you in faith, O oh God. Lord, we pray for those with needs this morning and families, finances, healing, whatever it is. Lord, we thank you for this altar. We thank you that we can come before you and we can pray and ask to be prayed for. We ask you, O God, to dismiss us this morning, O God. Lord, just seal your word in our hearts. Help us, O God, to move forward from this place with greater hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Sing it one more time.